Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Wolverine Live Recruiting Show. As always, I'm your host, EJ Holland. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure to do that. It is completely free if you're not a subscriber to the Wolverine. Make sure to sign up right now, $1 for one year. I know that promotion has been going on for a long time, but it is coming to an end at some point here in the near future. So if you haven't taken advantage of the $1 deal, you need to take advantage now because if not, it becomes $100. Um, also drop a like, let's get this video to 500 likes. And like I said, uh, you know, it's this is a live show. This is uh, something we do every week for you guys to interact with me, to get the latest on Michigan recruiting. So I'm here to answer your questions. Make sure to drop a question in the comment box. Appreciate everybody out there listening, joining in. Uh, like I said, post a comment with your question, and I am here to answer them uh, for the next hour or so. We're also going to hit on some important Michigan targets. It looks like we don't have any questions preloaded right now, so let's go ahead and talk about Nicholas Harbor. I know that's on everybody's mind right now. Five-star athlete out of Washington, D.C., set to make his official visit to Michigan this weekend. And so, Nick, uh, obviously didn't do too much with recruiting this summer. He was really consumed with track. If you guys don't know much about Nicholas Harbor, uh, he is a freak athlete, six foot five, 225 pounds, uh, runs a 10 to a 100 meter. He's a guy that aspires to play in the NFL and also run in the Olympics. Uh, like I said, just a freak athlete, the biggest freak athlete I've ever covered in my decade-long career of uh, covering recruiting. But in terms of you know his recruitment, I know South Carolina had built up some momentum here as of late, and I said, yeah, I, I do buy the South Carolina momentum. You know, they've done a, a great job recruiting him, pitching the track program. They got him on campus for an official visit. This past weekend, good news for Michigan is South Carolina got completely blown out. Now, Harbor's not going to make his decision based on one game result, but I think it's 
definitely uh, a step in the right direction that South Carolina got blown out. Michigan set to host Maryland, which is his home area school uh, and is still in the running in his recruitment as well. I think Michigan wins that game by a good margin and they should be able to impress Harbor on the field. I think where Michigan might be lacking a little bit, um, the track program has done a, a great job of recruiting him as well, but you know, it, it, the climate is obviously not as friendly as a South Carolina or an LSU, and then also NIL. I'm, but but at the same time, you know, Harbor's going to be arguably, aside from Arch Manning, the most marketable prospect in this entire class nationally. I mean, to to be a guy at his size and have his speed and do what he's doing on the field and on the track. I think the NIL dollars will come no matter where he lands. Uh, but I know other schools are, are making more aggressive NIL pitches at, at this point in uh, in the recruitment. So we'll see how, how that all kind of shakes out. But I think Michigan's staff has been all in here. Jim Harbaugh has personally been involved. Uh, Michigan's tight ends coach, Grant Newsom has been in contact quite a bit. Michigan's wide receiver coach uh, and area recruiter Ron Bellamy has been leading the way with Harbor. And so they've done a phenomenal job. The academics is a big piece as well. Harbor's a 4.0 student, and he does take academics seriously. So do his parents. Uh, his father works for NASA. His mom works in a hospital. Uh, so he is a, a guy that is looking closely at Michigan's academics. That's definitely an edge that Michigan has over the Southern schools like South Carolina and LSU. But this visit will be big for his recruitment. I'm not sure, uh, you know, how soon Harbor decides though. I think he's going to continue to make official visits. Uh, like I said, he visited South Carolina, visit, now visiting Michigan. He's looking to visit LSU uh, at some point here in the next couple of months. Maryland is also looking to get an official visit. So, Again, we'll just kind of sh see how it shakes out. I think we're here for the long haul with the Nicholas Harbor recruitment. I do not see him making a decision um, at any point here in, in the next you know month or so. I think this one probably goes uh, into the early signing period and potentially beyond that. Nick told me he is not an early enrollee, and the last time I asked him about signing early, he was not sure. So could even be February, who knows, uh, you know, with him taking basically the ent entire summer off of recruiting. He did visit a couple schools here and there, but again, was focused on track. I think now is is kind of where he's really starting to get uh, into things. So we have a, a question here from Shadyville03 on Nicholas Harbor. Is Harbor still looking to play exclusively on the offensive side of the ball at the college level? Um you know, I, I talked to him last month and he told me that he was still open to playing edge. I think he's a phenomenal pass rusher. I think he's a future top five pick or number one overall draft pick as an edge guy. But again, he's extremely serious about pursuing his dream of running in the Olympics. And so he'd rather preserve his body and play on the offensive side of the ball as a tight end or as a wide receiver. So that is his preference. I don't think he's, again, closed any doors on positions, but he does want to play on the offensive side of the ball. That's why I mentioned, you know, Ron Bellamy, Grant Newsom being more involved in this recruitment as opposed to uh, Mike Elston. So that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the rundown with Harbor as far as position. But 
Uh, right now, he's a little more polished as an edge, uh, as a wide receiver, tight end. He he has some things he can work on, particularly route running and just becoming more of a natural pass catcher. But again, when you have his size, when you have those measurables, uh, when you run a 10 2 8 100 meter, I mean, I think you have a, a chance to be a game-changing tight end or at the very least a, a big threat outside. So We'll see where Harbor ends up. I'm really curious to follow his college career. Let's go ahead and shift gears to a different recruit. We're going to go ahead and choose Prince Elias' question. And he asked Jair Hill, what's the word? Um, yeah, thank you for uh, commenting, Prince Elias. So Jair Hill is a prospect we've talked a lot about on the Wolverine over the last several days, especially since I was out in Kankakee. Illinois on Friday and had a chance to see him live uh, ran into Brett Bielema, Illinois head coach who was there uh, scouting him. Look, Illinois and Michigan remain at the very top of this recruitment. And it's not often you say uh, a recruitment's an Illinois, Michigan battle, but this one is um, Illinois is right down the road from Hill. They've done a terrific job of recruiting his mother on top of that, uh, they are making him the number one overall priority on the board. When you look at Michigan, yeah, they're making Jair the top guy along with Chris Peel on the corner board. For Illinois, he's the guy. They want him to be the face of the class. And obviously, there are uh, opportunity, more opportunities at Illinois for Hill to come in and play right away. At the same time, Michigan offers a lot more in terms of development, NFL production, uh, academics. I mean, there's a lot going for Michigan. It's a superior program on and off the field. And I think Jair realized that when I asked him, hey, you know, compare Michigan to Illinois. What what is Michigan offer that you like more than Illinois? What does Illinois offer that you like more than Michigan? And so for Michigan, he told me just the program, right? I mean, it's a, it's a bigger school. Uh, it's the national brand is unmatched. I mean, the global brand is unmatched. There are opportunities to play on the big stage at the big house at Michigan, where, you know, Illinois is kind of a bottom tier big 10 program on the flip side of the coin. He told me the thing he likes about Illinois the most is just the coaching staff. They, he, they've really built a personal connection with him. Like I said, uh, they they really have made him that number one guy on their recruiting board. And so he's definitely feeling that and feeling the opportunity to to, to play right down the road. Not that Michigan's too far away, uh, but more so the opportunity to potentially start as a true freshman, which has been a big pitch from the Illini. Uh, in the household, like I said, I think Illinois has done a really good job with his mom. I think Michigan has done a really good job with his dad. So right now it looks like it's a split household. Jair was supposed to make a decision this summer, did not make it. Then he set a decision date for September, did not make the decision. This one could go all the way to the early signing period. He's been torn for a long while. Remember Michigan had the momentum here early, then Illinois built up some momentum in the off season. Now I think it's anybody's guess on the actual decision and it's anybody's guess on the actual timeline as well. So, um, Right now, I think it's still 50-50. Uh, I, I wouldn't lean 
one way or the other. I wouldn't be surprised if he lands at either school. When you have a, a divided household and you have a guy that's consistently delaying a decision, then you know that they are legitimately torn about things. So, um, you know, Michigan's going to continue to recruit him hard. He told me he's looking to come in for the Michigan State game in late October. So Michigan will look to get uh, that momentum back on its side after a strong visit for the barbecue at the big house this summer. Let's go ahead and go to another question. Um, Haven Harris, our frequent uh, listener here, he says, EJ, I'm seeing a lot of committed prospects visiting other schools this coming weekend. Besides the Notre Dame kids that are being kept quiet, do you think any committed kids could be coming to visit soon? So for these first few games, obviously the visitors haven't been super high profile. I mean, you had Caden McDonald in, you had Chris Peel in, uh, Nicholas Harbor's coming in this weekend because it works with his schedule. The thing about Harbor is he plays a lot of Saturday games, so doesn't have many windows of opportunity to make official visits this weekend. He does not play on a Saturday, so that's a big reason why he's going over to Michigan. Um but Michigan's really going to load up for Penn State and Michigan State in October. I think you'll see a lot of the top targets make their way to those two games. You already have uh, some guys that are scheduled to come in for official visits, uncommitted guys like Spencer Fano, uh, DJ Chester, guys like that. But as far as committed kids, you know, the preference for Michigan has always been to more so keep it quiet. Uh, until things are fully mapped out, covering kids that are committed to other schools are always a, a sensitive situation. Um, you know, for Notre Dame kids, uh, I have no problem saying that I think Charles Jagusaw could make his way to campus. You know, I think Osbury could make his way to campus as well. I think Jalen Brown, who's currently committed to LSU, top 100 wide receiver, could potentially make his way to campus. And I think the more Michigan wins, and the more other programs falter uh, here as we continue to get into the meat of the season, I, I think there's going to be more opportunities for for kids committed, not just to Notre Dame, but schools nationally uh, to visit for those marquee games. So Penn State's going to be a fun one uh, as, as the big noon kickoff. And then Michigan State, obviously rumored to be a night game. I think that one will be a, even more loaded than, than the Penn State game. So should be a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and go down to Shadyville03, who has another question. He says, any visits lined up for the offensive line targets? Yeah, so um, like I just mentioned, DJ Chester, Spencer Fano coming in next month. Caleb Lemu uh, also set to come in next month. The visit this weekend is obviously Nathan Afobi on 300 prospect out of Georgia, uh, interior offensive lineman. Afobi is one of the more interesting recruits nationally this cycle. When you look at his rankings, they are uh, kind of all over the place, I guess. Uh, on three just released its updated rankings. Before yesterday, he was a top 100 prospect. Uh, today, he is a top 150 prospect number of 128 overall. And then you see the other uh, rankings here, you know, 24 seven has him as a middle of the pack, three star ESPN has him as a three star. I don't really know how they do their, their grading systems. I'm not too familiar with their, what a 78 means on ESPN, but he's rated 
higher at that position as an interior offensive lineman than 24 seven, which again has him as a, the 87 interior offensive lineman, but a middling three star. And then Rivals has him as a, a middling three star as well. Uh, so big discrepancy between the on three ranking and the other three sites rankings. Um, I think the answer when you have those types of, you know, one service has a guy really rated uh, rated really high, and then other services have him rated really low. I think the answer is always somewhere in the middle. I, um, had a chance to go out to Georgia to see Nathan and Phoebe. didn't get to see him move around though, that, that day they didn't have practice. And I just stopped by his school, but just kind of sizing him up, watching his film, talking to his high school head coach. I think he's a guy that is just fascinating from a rankings perspective that could be a high three star or a low four star is probably what I would give him to be conservative. I think he's a boomer bust kid. I think he's extremely athletic on the interior of the offensive line. Great feet, you know, great speed for his size, uh, but he still needs to add some strength uh, to his to his and weight to his frame. But he's also a guy that's just really raw technically. So that's another you know thing that he will need to work on at the next level for a phobie. It's all about development, and when you look at Michigan, obviously there's you know not a lot of places better for development than Michigan, especially when it comes to uh, strength and conditioning. Ben Herbert does a great job running his program, and then Sharon Moore, I mean, played offensive line uh, at the next level, and understands what it's what it takes to develop guys, uh, you know, up front. And I think Nathan Ophobi really like, values that. He has a great connection with Jerome Moore. I think Michigan leads going into the visit. Miami is the other school to watch. You know, a lot of people have asked, you know, why haven't you put in a pick for Michigan to land a phobie yet? Um, you know, I would, I, I guess I'm just a little gun shy this cycle because I know Michigan's not doing some of the NIL things that Miami's done. Now, Michigan was able to beat out Miami for Collins and Chimpong earlier this cycle, but you just never know with schools that are playing the NIL game the way Miami is. So I'm cautious on that. He doesn't have a Miami official visit set, but it could come after Michigan, which makes me even more weary. So We'll see how it all plays out. But right now, I think Michigan has the lead going in. Um, they, they've they made him a priority on the interior offensive line board. He has a connection uh, to the program through David Ajabo, who's a, a family friend. And he has family that lives in the state of Michigan as well. So I think Michigan's doing a great job there. Um, and then the other offensive linemen coming in, like I mentioned, Caleb Lemieux uh, from Arizona, top 100 prospect. Uh, is a guy that visited for the barbecue at the big house, DJ Chester on 300 prospect, another interior offensive lineman out of Georgia, Spencer Fano on 300 tackle out of Utah, also coming in for an official visit. Um, all those set to take place in October. And then Nick Fadig, uh, Texas Tech offensive line commit is still scheduling his official visit, but looking uh, you know, speaking of Haven Harris's uh, comment on committed prospects, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Wouldn't surprise me if the Red Raiders pledge makes his way to Ann Arbor before the fall ends. Let's go ahead and go to another Shadyville question. I mean, he's just firing these away. Um, but how did the uh, Chris Peel visit go? So Chris Peel, top 100 prospect, top 100 cornerback out of uh, Charlotte Providence Day. 
Um, and, and there's another Peel related question here from John Stacy. I know Peel has a top four, but come on, it's either us or Georgia, correct? So let's dive into the visit and then his overall recruitment to knock out both questions at once. Um, I think the visit went well. Michigan, you know, rolled out the maize and blue carpet for him. They had him front row. He had the best seats in the house out of the recruiting section. Actually, when I got to the big house, he was down on the field going, not going through warmups, but taking a closer look at warmups and some of the other recruits, you know, Steve Klingscale took him to see how he was working with the defensive backs. Um, you know, Klingscale has done a phenomenal job in this recruitment. I think I mentioned it on the previous live show, but every time I talked to Chris about Michigan, all he wants to do is talk about Klink. That relationship is great. I think it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal visit. I think Michigan did everything right, but I am not comfortable putting in a pick yet. I still want to see how things kind of progress. The difference between Georgia and Michigan is like Georgia's loaded up in the secondary. They have multiple commits there. Michigan has no commits and they're pitching peel on being the guy at corner this cycle. And it's definitely working. I think it's kind of a toss up there. The Carolina schools are very interesting though. I would not completely dismiss the Carolina schools at the end of the day. I do think it's Michigan or Georgia, but North Carolina State really impressed him on his official visit before the Michigan OV weekend. I think they're still a sneaky dark horse here. And then South Carolina, with what they're doing with NIL and the way they're getting him in for, for that final official visit. And and their staff is is really good at recruiting. I mean, they not not just to say, oh, they're throwing NIL. I mean, their staff has done a great job of, of recruiting as well. Um, you know, when I was on the road flying to all these different states in the offseason, I feel like I saw South Carolina all the time. They were just everywhere. Um, so I know they've made a big impact with Peel and they get the final OV. So I am not dismissing the Carolina schools, especially considering proximity. But yes, right now, I, I do think it's, it's more so Michigan or Georgia. I think, the, again, I think the visit was phenomenal. I think it was great. I think Michigan checked a lot of boxes for him and his family, but I still don't think he's 100% sold on one school yet. Uh, Georgia's been the leader for a long time. I know Michigan has made it an extremely tight race, but he still wants to take that last OV to South Carolina, ponder it a little bit and uh and make a decision at some point in october uh looking forward to catching up with chris peel here in the next 48 hours so i'll have an update for y'all uh directly from him soon let's go ahead and go to owen pastel uh quick hitters does marion stewart have a timeline are we still fighting for jaron hamilton is pleasant interested in michigan we have to push and what is your eval on tala um, okay, so let's go one by one, kind of answer them uh, in a quick manner. Uh, so Marion Stewart uh, on 300 wide receiver out of Chicagoland in the 2024 recruiting class was just on campus for an unofficial visit set to return to campus already for the game against Michigan State. So uh, I put in a pick for Michigan over the weekend for Stewart. I think the Wolverines have the early lead there. Obviously, he's making a couple of visits this season. Uh, he also visited for the barbecue at the Big House. He has several program connections. He's good friends with uh, freshman Tyler Morris. He grew up in the same seven-on-seven -seven program as J.J. McCarthy, and now that J.J. is the starting quarterback, I think that's opened Stewart's eyes a lot. He is a former high school teammate of uh, Tyler McLaurin, so – Again, uh, a lot of connections there. Obviously, Michigan 
recruiting well in Chicago land. Bellamy has done a terrific job with him early on, as has area recruiter uh, Sharon Moore. So I don't think Stewart has an exact timeline yet. It's still pretty early for him as of 2024. But like I said, I think Michigan has the uh, lead right now. Is Michigan still fighting for Jaron Hamilton? So Hamilton, I think, was one of the biggest risers in the on three rankings. Uh, I believe he vaulted into the on 300 uh, wide receiver out of Gainesville, Florida. Michigan is fighting for him. They are set to get an official visit next month. However, Alabama is the team to beat there. Now, if Alabama... Um, fills up and they just landed a commitment from Jalen Hale, which is notable five-star wide receiver this cycle. Um, I think the door could open up for Michigan to kind of sneak in there with Hamilton and, and land him. He's definitely an explosive prospect. He's a guy that wasn't talked about a ton. He visited Michigan in the off season. Things kind of faded. He was more of a three-star guy, but I mean, his stock has gone up significantly and uh, Michigan's right back in the picture there. So kudos to Ron Bellamy and area recruiter George Hilo uh, for getting back in that race. Is Roderick Pleasant interested in Michigan? So Pleasant, an on 300 cornerback out of California. Brother played at USC, has been considered a USC lean for a long time, but uh, has not committed to the Trojans, still kind of floating out there. Yeah, right now, you know, the top guys on the corner board are Chris Peel and Jair Hill. No questions asked. Those are the two must-land guys for Michigan. But Roderick Pleasant is a speedster. He also runs in the 10-2s. He ran head-to-head with Nicholas Harbor in a couple of track meets um, on the national stage this summer. So it brings plenty of speed. He's just a smaller kid. Uh, that definitely needs to add some weight. He's on the shorter side, but obviously you can't teach that speed. Uh, Michigan did send him an official offer, and they are continuing to monitor, so we'll see if anything happens. If Michigan does push, I think they would be a factor. Another thing to note with Roderick Pleasant is he actually played club 7-on-7 seven seven with Michigan wide receiver commits Maj Morgan, so there's a little connection there. Uh, what is your eval on Talia Tala, and I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but uh, consensus four-star offensive lineman out of Utah. Um, I haven't looked into him too much. He's out of all the newer offensive line targets. So a phobie, Chester, Lemieux, um, uh, Fatig. I, I think Tala is the lowest on the board right now. Um, you know, if, if Michigan misses on some of these other guys, I think they could make a run there. But right now, you know, Michigan keeping him warm. So I've been kind of keeping him warm in terms of making my own eval and doing a lot on him. Uh, so thanks, Owen, for all those great questions. Um, let's see. Um, Hakeem 56, no blue chip running backs want to play with Michigan. What's up with the lack of buzz with high four and five star backs? Look at Hakeem's going to bait me into another 15 page discussion, which is exactly what we had over at the Wolverine. Um, you know, if you haven't joined the Wolverine, now's a great time to remind you to sign up for $1 for an entire year. Come converse with uh, your fellow Michigan fans. We, had a lengthy discussion on running back recruiting last week, very passionate and heated debates. Look, I have been um, a critic of Mike Hart as a pure recruiter. I think Mike Hart is a terrific 
uh, identifier of talent, uh, has a track record of doing so. Uh, a guy that's been able to find lower rated backs at his previous stop and has been able to stops and has been able to develop them. Um, he's a great coach on the field. Michigan's running backs ha- have taken a step up since he's arrived in Ann Arbor. So there are a lot of positives when it comes to Mike Hart. He also happens to be a Michigan legend, but I think Hart has focused in a lot on uh, more diamond in the rough running backs, more guys that fit his mold as opposed to waiting it out and pushing for higher profile backs. He seemed content to take guys that fit the mold and if they want to commit he just takes their commitment early you saw it last cycle with cj stokes you saw it this cycle with benjamin hall and cole cabana now some again i said mike hart is a very good evaluator right so you know some of these guys are definitely gonna hit uh cj stokes looks like he could outplay his ranking i became more of a cj stokes fan as the cycle went on last year just like i've become more of a cole cabana fan this cycle and cabana has blown up uh, in terms of his ranking, uh, now ranked, I believe, in the top 175. Yep, there we go. Top, yeah, top 175. He's number 152 on on three, all the way up to 112 on ESPN. And I believe I just saw 24/7 updated their rankings, and he's at 161, which is not reflecting here. Uh, but he's a top 200 player in three out of the four services with rivals having him top 250. So he's, a, again, a guy that's kind of blown up from a rankings perspective, has t- really taken off as a senior. He's put out some tremendous senior tape. He's lighting up the state of Michigan in terms of all-purpose yards. Uh, whenever you have a guy that runs a 10-5-5, there's always room for him. So I think Cabana can play uh, the A.J. Henning role with more time in the backfield. Obviously, A.J. sees more time uh, as a receiver than he does as a running back. But I think, you know, you kind of flip that part of the role a little bit. And I think that's what you have in Cabana. He's just a, a dynamite weapon. So like I said, sometimes it, it definitely works out with it with Hart's eye for talent. Obviously Cabana, a riser in the rankings, CJ Stokes playing well as a true freshman, but sometimes it might not, you know, Michigan has another um, commitment from Benjamin Hall, three-star running back out of Georgia, who's not having a very, good senior season right now and isn't getting a lot of touches for his high school team. You know, I think there's a higher hit rate with guys that are um, obviously ranked really high, but more so than the rankings, right? It's not even about the rankings. No college coach should look at the rankings and be like, all right, these are my top targets based on the rankings. No, I, I mean more so other college coaches sharing the same opinion, guys that are very highly touted, highly recruited. Those are guys that have a higher hit rate than more so diamonds in the rough. So I think you're, you're taking a chance by not entering those highly contested recruitments. You know, the three backs that Mike Hart has taken during his time at Michigan haven't been very highly contested recruitments. You know, with CJ Stokes, the home state school, South Carolina was thought to be uh, a favorite early on and, and they didn't really push as hard as Michigan. Uh, Michigan state was thought to be a, the primary competitor for Michigan with, uh, with Cabana, but uh, you know, the Spartans had a change at the running backs coach position and things kind of fell through there. And then Hall didn't have many P five offers uh, either that were, were committable. So he's kind of taking guys early that 
again, not not a lot of other major programs are really vying for. And when you're with Mitch, and that's fine, you know, if you get guys and they produce, that's all that matters. But this is the University of Michigan. This is running backs. This is Mike Hart, man. Like he's a legend, right? Like he should be competing for the top guys nationally. He shouldn't settle early on. He should go after the big fish. Like you have an amazing track record. You were an amazing player. Michigan is a very running back friendly school. Um, it's Michigan. It offers everything you want. You know, you just had the Haskins taken in the NFL draft. You have Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum that are going to have really great years. Everything's there to sell to elite running backs. It's, it's puzzling that, you know, Hart's willing to just take guys early on and not go in for the long haul on these highly touted backs. Like, I mean, I, I get trusting your evaluations to an extent, um, but I, I think Michigan should be in the running for top 100 backs every cycle. You know, they Blake Corum was of that caliber. Donovan Edwards was of that caliber. There's no reason that Mike Hart shouldn't be landing guys that are, are really high four stars and approaching, you know, five-star territory. You know, that's my opinion. You might disagree and, and say Hart should take the guys he feels comfortable taking because of his track record as an evaluator. But just looking at it from, you know, the perspective of Hart's resume and what his name means and how Michigan utilizes its running backs and what Jim Harbaugh was even able to accomplish with running backs at the NFL level. I mean, everything's just an easy sell to top flight backs. I mean, everything is there that you would want if you're a highly touted running back. So, um, you know, I'm not sure it's, it's definitely a touchy subject and one that's difficult to answer. Um, and we've had this question up on the screen for a while. So Brian Myers asked, what is your take on Benjamin Hall's struggles this season? Will he end up in this class? Will Michigan go for another running back? Now, that's another interesting question. You know, Benjamin Hall, there's no way around it. Like he's, very well built, you know, in his upper and lower half. He's he's a tank, man. He's five foot nine and a half, um, 227 pounds. He's a guy that I saw in the spring and thought, you know, he could play that power back role for sure with how he's built, but he hasn't had much production this year. Uh, North Cobb, his high school team, has really gone in favor of another back. Uh, David Embadinga, who has a couple of power five offers. Embadinga this uh, past week had 29 carries. Uh, Hall had no carries the week prior to that. I went out and saw Benjamin Hall, Hall live and Embadinga got the lion's share of carries while Hall had uh, just one carry. Uh, this is a guy that is a, a great student in the classroom, was voted a team captain in the spring. So I don't suspect any off the field issues going on. It's just one where it looks like uh, his high school coach is, is favoring the other back. They also have another uh, change of pace back that, that has uh, so, some bigger offers. So, you know, it's a tough situation for Hall. It's a tough situation for Michigan. I do think uh, Hart took Hall a little too early this cycle. He could have continued to push for a guy like Jaden Lemar who I think could be a viable option, who's currently committed to Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame stinks on the field. 
there's a, an opportunity for Michigan to potentially make a move with Lemar. Michigan was very high on his list. He visited uh, Ann Arbor on multiple occasions. So we'll see, you know, it's, it's always tough when you're asking, you know, will, will schools drop guys and things like that. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't happen, but I know Michigan holds itself to a high standard. So we'll see how that kind of uh, situation shakes out. Let's go ahead and go to, Another question. Let's go to Sean Richardson, who brings a, a name up from the past. Do you know what happened with Antonio Gates Jr.? Is there a reason Michigan didn't pursue him? So Antonio Gates Jr. was, I believe, a high three or a low four star wide receiver out of Fordson, uh, Dearborn Fordson in the great state of Michigan. Uh, so he was a four star on two services, a three star on two other services. I know a lot of people wanted Michigan to take Gates last cycle. Uh, when Steve Klinscale came in, he actually uh, evaluated Gates as a defensive back and had him on campus and worked him out. And I know uh, Klink was a fan of his, but um, Michigan kind of always balked on him. They didn't love him as a wide receiver. They were concerned about his speed. And then on top of that, I, I think the final nail in the coffin that I heard, so we'll just address this quickly, I guess. The final nail in the coffin that I heard was that Gates came to Michigan for a workout in the summer. The workout didn't go well. Gates kind of lost his cool and then things just kind of spiraled down from there and Michigan never offered. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't take a local player just to take a local player. If he's not a good program fit, or if you don't think he's, you know, talented enough, then you just don't go for it. So, you know, that was basically the gist of what happened with uh, Gates. Let's go ahead and go over to Stephen Cannon. He says, why does it seem that Michigan can't recruit high start linebackers? Um, you know, that's been an, an interesting one. You know, Hilo, uh, George Hilo, Michigan's linebackers coach, had a history of landing um, some highly contested recruitments at, at the linebacker position. He actually flipped Brandon Jennings, who was rated really high when he was at Maryland from Michigan. So, you know, that was interesting. But, uh, you know, since his time here, obviously they landed Jimmy Rolder last cycle. Rolder ascended into the top 100. I thought Deuce Spurlock was a a quality land. I think he was one of the more underrated guys in that class. Uh, this cycle has been a little puzzling, man. You think the linebacker would also be another easy um, position to recruit given, you know, Michigan's history with linebackers and just the, the physical aura of the big 10 uh, junior Colson kind of lining it up early. So um, yeah, it's that's, that one's been really interesting. I don't know why Michigan's uh, struck out on a lot of top linebacker targets in cycle. Now they did have Raylan Wilson committed. Remember George Hilo did win that battle early on uh, losing him to Georgia was, was tough. Uh, it's definitely the biggest hit of the cycle. So far, Michigan hasn't really been able to replace Wilson. They did land a commitment from on 300 linebacker Samaj Bridgman from Philadelphia Emotep Charter. He's a big physical kid, six foot one, like 235 pounds. I mean, he's a tank. He's a thumper in the middle, but doesn't have that speed and explosiveness that that you know you you look at in a guy like like a junior Colson. But aside from that. Not a lot of linebacker targets right now. They just offered Arian Carter 
uh, out of Tennessee, who's blown up with offers from Alabama, LSU, Kentucky, and others. He is interested in Michigan, Michigan pushing to get uh, an official visit, but a lot of competition there. Uh, linebackers are just kind of uh, barren for Michigan this cycle. They do want to add another to pair with Bridgman, but uh, not a lot of options right now. Let's go ahead and go over to Chase Speckman. Are there any targets in particular Michigan is looking to flip? So like like I said, just, um, you know, for those that weren't in here earlier, you know, Michigan is looking at uh, a handful of those Notre Dame commits headlined by um, Jaden Osbury and Charles Jagusaw. I think those are, are definitely two to keep an eye on in, in terms of guys that are committed to Notre Dame. You know, Michigan's still in contact with Jalen Brown, five-star wide receiver committed to LSU. Uh, they are looking to flip Nick Fadig, uh, offensive line commit to Texas Tech. Um, so there are a few others Michigan will, will look at and, and maybe some recruits that reach out to Michigan based on what Michigan does on the field and what their respective schools uh, do or not do on the field. I think much like last cycle, Michigan will be looking for some late flips and some late lands based on you know, team struggling and coaching changes and what Michigan itself is accomplishing on the field. But those are some names right now. Um, let's go ahead and go over to uh, Shadyville 03 again. He asks, how would Kenny Dillingham taking the ASU job affect the Dante Moore recruitment? Uh, I think it'd have a huge impact on the Dante Moore recruitment. I think uh, I wouldn't be sure if he would land at Oregon, but even if that happens, I'm not so sure he would land at Michigan either, uh, given that, you know, Michigan's all in for Jaden Davis. You know, Michigan, I don't think will ever truly lose 100% contact with Dante Moore. So I think that's always going to be, you know, a subject of conversation until, you know, more science elsewhere. So, you know, I wouldn't put it at a a very high percentage at all, obviously, but I do think there's a world where, where Dante Moore ends up at Michigan, I suppose, you know, it's the universe, lots of things can happen. Um, but yeah, as of right now, I mean, just a lot of speculation. If that Dillingham, uh, if Dillingham does take that ASU job, if that whole ordeal happens, then yeah, I think you could see, Dante look around, but again, I can't make this any more clear. Michigan is fully focused on Jaden Davis. He is the guy. They obviously had him in for the game against Hawaii. I would expect him to be back on campus for one of the big games in October. He's visited Michigan a number of times, you know, three uh, out of the last four months, I believe. So um, he is the guy. He's also a guy that the staff has connected better with. Um, you know, Matt Weiss has done a better job with Jaden Davis than he did with Dante Moore in the relationship building category. Davis really values what Jim Harbaugh brings with his experience playing a quarterback in the NFL and obviously having coached uh, some good quarterbacks in, in the league as well. Um, looking at the job he did with the guy like Alex Smith and, and Colin Kaepernick and, and developing their talents. So um, I think right now, you know, everybody should just not forget about Dante, but just, you know, put Dante like 
like Dante's like that, that thing you put in the freezer and then you're, you're cleaning it out and you're like, Oh man, look at that. I still have a popsicle left in there if it ever happens. Uh, but Jaden Davis should be the guy that you're fully focused on. He should be the guy, the, the first thing you're taking out of the freezer, some good ice cream. Like that's, that's Jaden Davis. It's, he needs to be the guy at the top of mind. You need to let Dante, you know, sit back there until something of significance happens. Um, let's go ahead and go down to, uh, John blaze. He said any stud defensive end leaning towards Michigan. So defensive line is another interesting one right now. I think they're done with edge guys. So if we're talking about edge guys, pretty much done there, they have a class with the highest upside nationally right now. When you look at cons Anchium Pong, he's only played football for a year and Oeda who's having a monster statistical senior season. He's only played football for three years. Uh, Amer Kumba, obviously an international prospect from France. So edge guys, those are the guys that's likely going to be the class. I don't think they add another one unless someone really, you know, tantalizing pops up uh, in terms of actual, you know, defensive line recruits, like, like maybe three techs or what would be, you know, considered uh you know attack or an end i guess in, in michigan scheme you already have brooks bar uh who's six foot six 275 pounds that kind of fits more of that end role i think right now the focus is a little more on getting the the beefier guys so caden mcdonald obviously uh at the very top of the board six foot two 325 pounds so he kind of fits that that mammoth uh nose role they could look at some other three technique you know and type of guys um they they are i know they are evaluating some others but again not not true like edge guys right more so three tech guys guys like you know, Riley Van Poppel, who's committed to Nebraska, who they liked early, is a guy they could circle back to. Or Jamarion Harkless, who is committed to Illinois and has opened things up, uh, is a guy they could circle back to. So uh, not a lot of, you know, stud guys right now for uh, the 2023 class. I think 2024, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some guys that Michigan could land that are of high caliber, but right now I think the edge class is the edge class. And if we're talking about, you know, three techs, it's more so guys that would be late risers. Um, let's go ahead and go down to uh, some newer comments. Um, are we, let's see, let's go ahead and go to account 22. He says, are we going to steal Notre Dame's 2023 linebacker recruits? And, and just so you don't think I ignored you, Theodore Frazier also asked about 2023 linebacker recruiting. So I addressed uh, 2023 linebacker recruiting uh, a little earlier. Uh, not many targets aside from Arian Carter, who they just offered yesterday, but a lot of competition there for the late riser. But I do think Jaden Osbury is one to keep an eye on. Committed to Notre Dame, top 100 recruit. Um, I actually believe he dropped a little bit in the rankings on 300 recruit, I suppose, um, is a guy that Michigan loved early on. They got him on campus for an official visit. I think they finished second in that recruitment, but it wouldn't be surprising to see him visit in October for one of the big games. Um, he has a close relationship with area recruiter Ron Bellamy. George Hilo uh, did a nice job of recruiting him as well. Defensive coordinator Jesse Minter was very involved. So I know he really likes the staff. He visited as an underclass 
Osman, along with his brother, who ended up at Auburn, but was uh, high on the board for Michigan. But I think Bellamy's Louisiana ties are definitely an X factor. You saw it last cycle. He was able to flip Louisiana native Amorion Walker from Notre Dame. So I think he could potentially accomplish the same thing with Osbury. We'll see. Um Let's go ahead and go to Haven Harris. He says, I know that Jaden Davis is the big fish for quarterbacks, but is there any 2023 that is gaining buzz that UM should look at outside of Dante? Uh, Right now, Michigan's not really looking at any 2023 quarterbacks. I mean, again, the focus is really on Jaden Davis. If there's a guy to look at in 2023, the only one that really comes to mind is Brady Drogosh, who's committed to Cincinnati. Um, he's a plus athlete. He's six foot five, so he's a tall quarterback uh, with a big frame. He had the highest spark score uh, out of all the quarterbacks at the Elite 11 Regional in Ohio. Uh, I saw him play last year for De La Salle against Gross Point South. He had a really good in game against uh, Will Johnson. Uh, he can definitely run. He's a guy that could even move to tight end, I guess, later on. Um, but Drogosh is one to watch just because I think he's an intriguing athlete with a big frame and a big arm. He actually made it to the Elite 11 finals, uh, and he's a local kid. But again, not not much with 2023 quarterback recruiting. Um Prince uh Elia has a longer question. He says, Why can't Michigan not recruit five stars consistently. I am happy with their scouting and development. Just curious why we're not competing with the big dogs. So you can make the easy answer and say NIL. Obviously, Michigan is not doing, I don't know, really, I know how to word pay for play. (laughs) I mean, there's no other way to word it. Uh, Michigan's not going to be involved in that type of uh, market competition. So I think that eliminates a lot of highly rated guys uh, maybe not a lot but a, a decent amount of highly rated guys you know nil is becoming more and more of a factor and that's why it's made this cycle uh harder to cover than ever before you look at right now michigan is ranked 26 nationally and fourth in the big 10 which is low by michigan standards for sure um, I think right now Michigan's still navigating the NIL waters, but in this cycle in particular, I think you still have to remember, yeah, Michigan had a great season. They won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State. They made it to the college football playoff. But at the same time, the offseason <clears throat> was chaotic. And at, at the root of things, recruiting is still a relationship game. And there was a lot of staff movement. You lost your offensive coordinator. You lost your defensive coordinator. You had guys, you know, moving to different position groups. You know, Jay Harbaugh from tight end to safety. Ron Bellamy uh, from safety down to wide receivers. You had a lot of staff shuffling. You had Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL. He wasn't his usual, you know, getting on Zoom calls and doing all these things self as he kind of dealt with the – the Minnesota Vikings. So yeah, there are just a lot of moving parts this off season with the staff. So I think that hindered Michigan's ability to capitalize off the momentum they built last season and get some guys locked in early. Um, so that along with NIL, I think has affected Michigan this cycle. They are in a good spot with a lot of top level guys early on in 2024. So you know, if they have another big season, if they avoid a chaotic offseason, and if they figure out NIL to an extent, you know, Michigan's not going to be Miami. They're not going to be Texas A&M. They're just not. But if they're able to figure it out to an extent, then I think you'll see them land some really highly touted prospects um, next cycle. 
let's see. Um, Theodore Frazier says, EJ, how far can Michigan rise in the 2023 rankings if they close with their higher recruits? You know, I last cycle, Michigan had a, an amazing close. You look at the ranking right now, and they were able to vault all the way up to number nine. But, you know, this cycle, looking at the numbers, looking at the class average, I think top 15 would probably be a, a safer bet. So we'll see kind of how, how that shakes out. Um, T hammer says chances we land Arion Carter. How hard is Michigan pursuing? So Arion Carter, a new linebacker offer that just went out yesterday. I mentioned that uh, over at the Wolverine $1, one year that Michigan was going to take a harder look at defensive linemen and linebackers in 2023, looking for some late senior risers, a la Jimmy Rolder last cycle. Arion Carter is one of those guys. He's completely exploded on the recruiting trail. He was a summer commitment to Memphis and now has racked up offers from Michigan, Alabama, LSU, Kentucky, and others. Michigan definitely pushing hard. They need another linebacker in the class. I watched a little bit of his film uh, yesterday, some senior clips, and he's really explosive. He's fast. Um, I think I think he's a little raw, but he definitely has uh, the intangibles you're looking for. Look at Rivals <laughs> ranking him as a, a two-star. Um no, he's definitely has the uh, look as a force of a four-star level prospect, and that's why he's generating those offers. So he's high on the board, but uh, competing against the uh, SEC schools is going to be tough. Obviously, Michigan's done well recruiting in Nashville. State Plainsville has a lot of ties there. Uh, they got Junior Colson out of there, and and that's an easy sell to Carter. They also plucked Miles Pollard out of there, and he was a part of the same seven-on-seven organization as Carter. So that uh, should help as well. Scroll ahead and go with uh, rapid fire. We're basically at an hour now, guys. Um, so I'm just going to roll through these next questions. Nick Wenzel says, any rumors of Jalen Brown visiting anytime soon? So five-star wide receiver committed to LSU. We mentioned early in the show, wouldn't be surprised if uh, he does make it for a visit. Um, is Michigan recruiting any safeties this cycle? Michigan will only take a safety if it's a really, really special athlete. If it's a guy they think can be a difference maker, they are very content with the historic defensive backhaul from last cycle. Um, I look another Dante Moore question from Oscar Ward. So you know that I'm not uh, ignoring you as Michigan still pursuing Dante Moore. Very, very much on the back burner. The focus is Jaden Davis. Um, let's go down to. <laughs> Owen Postel is orange, the worst flavor of popsicle. Um, I don't really eat popsicles very often. I'm definitely an ice cream guy all the way. I'll take some Froyo on occasion. I think the only popsicles that I really liked were those like Flintstone push pops from like the nineties off the ice cream truck. I mean, those were solid. Uh, so I guess orange, uh, is, is not the worst flavor. Um, Hey, shout out to Brett Barrows, who donated $2. Uh, Brett Barrows, super fan here. Um, you can always go back and listen to these YouTube lives on our podcast feed the next day. So if you want to catch up, um, definitely do that. If you have a question, since you're a, I don't even know what the hell we call these, super followers, 
um, then you can then I'll answer your question right away before we get out of here and give you in-depth detail. Right now we're just going through quick hitters. Um, Prince Elia, if Jaden Davis is leaning Michigan, plus he wants to be ambassador, an ambassador, what's taking him so long to decide for us or anyone? Um, yeah, Jaden Davis doesn't want to take the process too long. He does want to be a class leader at the same time. You know, recruiting is difficult. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I think he just wants to take some visits to other schools as well. Just make sure that Michigan um, checks more boxes than the other schools. But I don't think this one lasts, you know, past spring of next year, potentially even past this calendar year. Um, what about the Notre Dame commit who was in Ann Arbor this weekend, says Ben German. Um, or last weekend, I guess he, he corrects himself. So over the weekend for the UConn game, uh, Brandon Davis Swain was on campus. He's in 2024, top 100 defensive lineman. He's not really a guy that fits the scheme necessarily. He's, you know, about six foot two, uh, 245 pounds. So he's not a guy that's a, a true edge or he's not really a, a three tech type, but I think he could be maybe in the same mold as Chris Jenkins. Michigan is re-evaluating him if they do make a push uh, for Davis Swain, who's out of the Pipeline School West Bloomfield right down uh, the highway from Ann Arbor, then I do think he is definitely a flip candidate. Is there any chance we use Andrew and Pong in a Eric Armstead type of role? As you guys know, I'm a Niners fan, and I definitely do like that comparison. That's a, that's a good one, Owen. I think they would use him in that type of role. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they love his upside. I'm I'm interested to see how much weight Collins gains. He's already at six foot eight, 254 pounds. Obviously, Armstead turned into a bigger eye and bigger guy and uh, continued to add some weight. So I, I definitely think that that's a possibility. Um, Jasmine Gravely, um, look, we we've got uh, female here. We we love the the ladies coming on as well. Uh, new to the chat, been watching, first time commenting. Glad you joined us. Uh, what twenty twenty four recruits do you think Michigan has a big chance to get? Um, like I mentioned, Amarion Stewart earlier in the show on three hundred wide receiver. Michigan is in a great spot with him early on. They just had him on campus for a visit. They had him on campus for the barbecue at the big house and he's set to come back uh, for the game against Michigan state. Jaden Davis obviously is a guy that, that we've talked about a ton top 100 quarterback. He is the priority in 2024. I think Michigan's in a great spot with his wide receivers. Shannon Goodwin is a Michigan legacy. Um, and a guy that that just visited with Davis on his previous visit for the Hawaii game. Jordan Ship is the uh, other wide receiver in 2024 at Providence Day. I think Michigan's in a great spot with him as well. So those are just a handful of guys. Um, let's see if there are any last questions. Um, the last question we have is uh, Shadyville three, who said, "Where are the Notre Dame trolls now? Nowhere, because they suck." Go blue! Thanks, guys, for joining us on this show. Uh, as always, subscribe to the Wolverine.com. One dollar for one year. Subscribe to our YouTube page completely for free. Oh man! Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. 
See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com slash live.